Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Completely nude, no shirt, no pants. That's fine. With okay. Me. I mean, I would. Put a sign out there that says, yeah, close the door. Nude in progress. Not three times. Yeah. Nude in progress? Nude in progress. All right. Well, on that, welcome everybody to uh, the Chiluminati podcast, episode 21, or 22, rather. Um, I am incredibly excited for this episode because the past two and a half weeks have been nothing but. Me looking into uh, these cases. Um, what we're going to be covering today is something by the no- uh, name of Missing 411. But before we dive in, as always, I am one of your hosts, Mike, also known as Mathis. With me, as always, is Alex Fasciana himself. How are you, sir? Hello. Hello. I'm very crisp today. You are very crisp today. Even I'm for us. I'm super crisp. I'm super crisp. I'm on a different mic. New mic, new setup. Old mic. N- new setup, old mic. <laughs> okay. uh, what? One of those what? two. <laughs> huh? I don't know. I don't know. One mic know. is the same. The other mic is different. No, one world, one mic. <laughs> one mic is the your your host mic is the same. My right. mic is different. Okay, yeah, you're not speaking into me. One you're mic, one into world. Else. <laughs> one love, one Mr. Worldwide. Let's get together, Mr. Worldwide. And board all Mr. Worldwide. Right. That's me, uh, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> and um, and our other host, obviously, is the one and only, the illustrious, the ever entertaining, the unflappable, Jesse Cox, the unflappable. I Jesse cannot Cox. flap. I the unsinkable Molly Cox. I can't do it. I've never flapped. I don't know how to flap. Unflappable. I'm gonna this flap man? you today, man. Today's a flap. You're going kind to of flap day. me? I don't even you. know what that means, I'm and I'm terrified. Flap you, dude. Oh. I'm gonna this man flap won't you. hear of it. Oh, That's his thing. Boy. Okay. All right. So, uh, my first question to you, gentlemen, before we really dive in, is: Do you even know what missing four one one is? This is something that's relatively was relatively new to me, and once I started diving in, it was uh, a game over. Missing four one one. Yeah, missing four one one. Specifically, it is, it's the name of the of the book series that all of this is is kind of based on. Oh, interesting. It is my it is my understanding that it is a like repository of like X Files of missing people's cases, basically. That that's that's you know that's a, that's a great pitch. So actually. does this have it's anything like to do with the people who go into forests and vanish? Is that what this is? It is. It is all uh, national parks and, and, and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, okay. Which is very important, which we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, through the Oh, is the uh, government behind this? There is – I wouldn't say the – well, I mean, that's a theory, obviously. But, right, right, um, right. I wouldn't necessarily – what makes it weird is that the government might be behind it. What makes it weird is the, uh, is the, the national park services and their unwillingness to – release the files to anyone to do any research and the fact that they don't even keep records for a lot oh, of Oh, I thought you were about and to say it, the government isn't the problem. It's the National Park Service. Like, some <laughs> well, ranger I mean, somewhere sort of. has a single tear going down his eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, God bless the National Park Service for fuck's sake. Well, what's interesting is they have no oversight over themselves. So they can do whatever they want and nobody checks, uh, like puts a check on them. And the way they react to some of these missing people cases is bizarre in and of itself and that they just don't seem to care or they don't really 
do a lot to put any research into it. And when other uh, like investigators come along looking to to request these files, the, some of the time they're just outright denied. And when asked why, they are given no reason. Um, Did you ever see the movie bizarre. The Endless? I have not. Oh man, I like I I I've seen the movie. I have not obviously heard all the information you have to share yet today, but. If you're feeling after this podcast, if you're a listener out there and you want to find something to like sort of like, you know, like stoke your fires a little bit, like go watch follow Endless. this. Yeah, was, go watch The Endless. That was actually recommended to me um, while I was watching uh, the movie I did watch was actually just the Missing 411 uh, documentary on, on about three or four of the cases there. Where um, is it? Uh, you can get it. You can stream it on Amazon Prime for four bucks. Ooh. So you can just it's an hour and a half. It's a good watch. Um, but before we get to dive in, I want to be a big thank you to two of our assistant researchers, one being Nathan. Uh, he helped out and, and actually wrote the outline for a lot of the cases from the movie directly, uh, you, as Nathan. well as Judy for sending me, um, one of the, cause the missing 401 books are out of print. So she hooked me up with the library she has access to, and I was able to hook me up with this book, which is also where a good chunk of the information is coming from. Um, as well as, uh, other, other sources that we, that we, wa- uh, that we used as well, um, is just some Google map stuff to kind of correlate some of, uh, the theories out there and, um, MUFON.com surprisingly, uh, interesting to use. I wouldn't say reliable, but interesting to use and a bunch MUFON? of other articles. MUFON. That's a UFO research organization. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, Cause yes. of course aliens are in this a little bit. If it always comes back to far. aliens. It was, it? Yeah, it does. It does. Isn't it that does. right, Jesse? No Jesse. comment. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> well, let, let, let's just start at the beginning. So what is missing 411 for those who don't know? Well, it's a play on words and numbers in a way. Um, obviously, 401 is information. Missing 401 meaning missing information. Because a lot of these cases have no uh, answers. Like, actually on record in law enforcement, they're un- all unsolved cases. They, there's no definitive answer as to what caused these people to go missing and for the cases that have bodies found they still have no answers to what caused them what killed them how they even got to where they were found um so missing 411 is actually just a huge swath of missing person cases that take place in major national parks around the world while what we'll be covering is pretty exclusively u.s focused in general it's important to understand that this kind of thing is happening all over the world while many people go missing every year, not only in our nas- in our normal everyday cities and towns, but in national parks, of course, the specific cases covered by Missing 411 and the author uh, David Paul Leeds are cases where almost the majority of them, uh, well, the majority of them are never found alive. Very few are, and those are also equally intriguing for, for their explanation as to what happened when they went missing. That's um, what I'm dying for the most, to be well, honest. Well, d- straight up, most of the ones have no recollection of even what happened or how they went missing. And then the ones that have some recollection, it makes no sense. None of what they say makes sense of, of what happened and how they were found again. I was there and Taylor Swift was there and we were getting ready to climb Half Dome. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think I put something in my wrist. And uh, yeah. well, one, one as just a quick example, uh, he said he remembers putting his foot, like taking a step into the field. He actually went missing uh, in a field, like he he had walked away, and the person he was with looked away for maybe a minute, looked back, and he was gone. He said he remembers putting his he, taking a step and just seeing his foot disappear completely, and not seeing his like his own foot, what? which what? is bizarre in and of itself. But again, obviously that's hearsay. We have no evidence of that. But he was found, luckily, and he uh, and whatnot. So pushing onward because I can easily just start going off on tangents. This thing it's going to be very hard for me to stay on topic because. 
this is such a wild, wild thing. Um, these cases aren't just random missing persons either. Each one fits into a very specific set of criteria. So that's very important to know when we're talking about these missing cases, uh, a, a bunch of these these criteria that I'm going to go over here in a second are are part of this missing persons cases. Uh, a lot of the a lot of people say David Pauly cherry picks his his missing persons, and I agree to an extent. But I think he's he's trying to fit uh, where he's he's looking at these missing persons cases and seeing the ones that that seem to have this running narrative through them. Um, more uh, more uh, importantly, these have been happening for decades, as far back as the the 40s and 50s, all the way up to today. They are still happening today. The most recent case that we'll be covering today uh, happened in 2015 and is still going to court. The last update I found was February 7th, so a week ago, 10 days ago or so. So these things are still happening now, today. It hasn't stopped. Um, So that in mind... uh, it's certainly uh, – th- and while there are certain cases I've read and studied while doing research, I firmly believe uh, – there are many cases that I firmly believe lack anything paranormal per se but still are mysterious. There's certainly undeniable – it's certainly undeniable rather that these cases as a whole are incredibly strange and for that reason very inviting for somebody who has a fascination with these unsolved mysteries to dive into. Um, a quick bit about David Paul Leeds, especially because he is the author and really kind of bring this up so you understand the kind of person we're dealing with. Sure. Um, he, he is a bit of a cryptozoologist and conspiracy theory man himself. Uh, he is a former police officer of 16 years. He worked as a detective and worked alongside the FBI for many of those years. That has all been confirmed. Um and he went on after the police force to uh, write a couple of book series. Uh, the first one, or one of the ones, the important one, is Missing 411, um, where he interviews a bunch of the families and he looks into the files that he can get his hands on. He goes out to the places they went missing. He, he How's it a- organized? I was going to ask you. Like, is it like, is it like uh, by case? So each book is by region, and then there are they. T- he talks about individual cases basically throughout the whole book. It's so basically like missing, just case files. So that's this, missing four one one, like missing four one one California. Yeah, so this one right here is Missing 411, Western United States and Western Canada. Got he has it. one on Eastern United States. He has a couple of books on very specific states where the missing peoples there is just bizarre in and of itself. Uh, he also has some that, that cover other countries as well. But uh, he has, I think, about four or five books on Missing 411. But the thing that, I, you know, it, it'd be irresponsible to throw out, he also has written a few books on uh, Bigfoot. Now, before we go, oh God, Bigfoot. It's not. <laughs> it's not that he has evidence that Bigfoot exists. It's there that porn very similar. About exactly, Bigfoot. they're all porn stories. He has these huge fantasies about ra- being railed by a big hairy big. Who doesn't? Cock. Who doesn't? He's that's gone on, he's gone on record. He's like, I know it's not real. It's just right. my thing. Let me do. <laughs> that's this. how I get most <laughs> of my dates. Fantasies like that. So yeah, you like? Do I you get like it. Bigfoot? Yeah, are Let's you into go. Bigfoot? <laughs> Do we in your head canon can Bigfoot play guitar or what's his favorite food or okay, this is a bad bit. <laughs> this is a bad bit. I'm backing out on this one. All right, we'll allow you. We'll allow it. <laughs> um so uh the 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 thing about the Bigfoot books is they're very similar to the missing 411 books where they are interviews of people who have seen Bigfoot. Uh, and he interviews all the people who saw them. He'll go out to the places that they he, they they claim they saw him. I so see. it's collections of interviews that he's done with it's, people. It's with like journalism to... more than it is like a yeah th- conspiracy theory book. Yeah, the biggest thing about David Pauline is that you need to understand that 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 makes me a little iffy on on some of the things is he he does try and make some very stringent, weird, loose connections. 
Um, and we'll talk about that when we get into the criteria of where these missing people cases we fall into. We can call into. that uh, pulling a Bagans. Yes, very, very much pulling a Bagans. Very much sound, pulling a Bagans. You hear sounds, and he's like, could this be the soul of the tortured <laughs> housemaid struggling to <laughs> fight off her attacker? Hard cut to Zach in a room. Possess me, ghost! Yeah. Possess yeah. me! <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I can't deny that uh, he there's a clear amount of, of passion and hard work put into these cases. Um, he's clearly very passionate about it. And if you want to read a book uh, about Bigfoot, you can go. Uh, one of the books he wrote is called Bigfoot, the Hoopa Project. And it's all California uh, Bigfoot sightings um, that people have rave reviews about. But, you know, go check that out. They're great in-depth interviews and details and very interesting stuff. Even if some of it is if iffy and arguable that it's even worth talking about in those interviews specifically um other than that uh this is the criteria we're going to be looking at here when we're talking about the missing 401 cases all of these fit a a multiple multiple of these criteria so um one is a rural setting um the missing people of these cases all disappeared in rural settings not cities not towns not a downtown area uh, they're all outdoors and in national parks. Furthermore, there are usually no witnesses when they end up going missing. Someone's head is turned for a minute or two and they look back and the person is gone without a trace. Uh, somebody said they're going to go hike up ahead for a couple of minutes and they'll meet them at the next checkpoint. And then when they get up there, they're not there. And then they're never found again. Um, they usually also go missing in an area where there's significant cover, plants, rocks, overhangs, and difficult terrain. Now, that's that's not weird. That's actually kind of... In my opinion, that, it makes sense. That's probably what you would expect. Yeah, yeah, you would also make sense. Dogs are also another large part of of this criteria. Uh, these victims usually disappear, uh, or a lot of them disappear with dogs. Uh, sometimes the dog is also never found. Sometimes the dog comes back by itself. Sometimes the dog goes home and is never with the victim. And very, very rarely the dog is found with the person that's missing. Again, I don't particularly put too much weight into that. It doesn't really scream weird to me. Um, the weird part or semi weird part is that the other part that that's important about the dogs is that when search and rescue is brought in, uh, many of them have obviously a bunch of, of tracking hounds. None of them can pick up a scent. The dog is given a shirt or a shoe or something that belongs to them. Usually a day after the person goes missing and the dog either refuses to do the job. It refuses to track, or it just can't pick up a scent. Uh, so they're, they're, borderline useless in, in helping find these people. So that is absolutely crazy. It's weird. Now we get to the stuff that, that, you know, you consider kind of bizarre, but maybe paranormal, but definitely not completely right offable. Um, this is the first weird one. I kind of chalk up to that. And that is storms. Uh, in a lot of these cases, shortly after the person is missing, literally we're talking hours at most a day reports of storms hitting the area seem to occur uh, constantly with these, with these cases. Um, they happen all seasons, uh, throughout the entire year. And a lot of them happen when it seems like there shouldn't have been a storm at all. And then a storm just kind of shows up within hours and, uh, causes delays for the search and rescue teams, eliminates tracks of these people going somewhere and completely uh, can eliminate the scent of the person as well as everything is washed away via rain or snow or what have you. Now, is there anywhere that we can look at like a graphic of this, like for consistency's sake? Like, of in like, the book I, specifically there like is the way the way like, that you're listing i can show it off, you a map yeah the way uh, that you're listing it off it just sounds so like specific and i'm just wondering well, like along along a trend like how so do you see like 
everything that fits in that criteria, this is the map. I, you guys, you viewers can't see it, but these are all the areas. You can see, like, circular clusters Yeah. that happen all over. Yeah, it, it does It does look like there's something. There's, like, a causal well, thing. Mm, mm, okay. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to side with Jesse on this one. Storms don't also tick anything for me i i so so far and i know again i'm very open-minded about this stuff because i think it's fascinating and i think Mm -hmm. that there's clearly not enough information but just going off what we've talked about i've tried to like i've written down stuff i've tried to think about this from moment one just saying like storms happened relatively either shortly after or within hours right or uh it was rural and there was no one around or they were with animals right or they were like with a dog and all these different things, if you ever have the time to talk to anyone who has ever gotten lost, like really lost, not that fun, like I'm exploring a city and let's get lost in the city, like lost, lost. When, when you go out into the woods, if you have no training, it's easy to get lost in the woods. It's easy to get separated from people. It's easy. If there's a storm, it's even worse, right? And if you have an animal... The animal runs off. You chase after that animal, right? So there's a lot of so things yeah, that can you're happen. Saying, like the the thing is just that the wilderness is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, right now, yes. unless I'm convinced otherwise, all of these disappearances are just very unexplainable. Like we have no reasons why it happened, but circumstantial evidence you can kind of be like, okay, well, if you discount aliens, Bigfoots, all the things that are fun yeah. to think about. In theory, they could have just fallen down a ravine and they'll never be found because no one knows to look there, right? Yeah. Or they chased after... I was um, I was looking at uh, 411 stuff and I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out all the different things they were talking about. And I was like, okay, because there's got to be forums on this and Reddit posts and things oh, like that. Are. And there yeah, are many, many, many. But a ton of them. But a lot of them also included stuff like, hey... Here's my experience and how it's very easy to get lost for hours and not be able to be found. Like, that's just one guy's yeah. thing. And then the guy replies, like, yeah, dude, I got lost. I was 20, I was with friends and I, like, went a different direction on an accident, was lost for 20 minutes and couldn't hear anyone, right? Things like that. And he's like, it's a miracle we found each other. One guy got lost and he heard animal noises and thought he was being chased. So he ran further in the wrong direction because he was scared. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's yeah, plenty of reasons Absolutely. why it can happen. I, the, the, I agree. The, the the stuff that catches me is like where they end up finding a lot of the bodies. Well, that's so, what I'm interested in. That's why I'm going to shut up. But like, just okay. from the get go, I'm already like, okay, I might discount 99% of these. But if there's 1% where it's crazy, I'm still in. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's kind of well, like what I'm saying, though. It's like, yes, like, it's easy to say, like, the wilderness, but that's why I'm kind of interested in how consistent the cases are. Sure. Yeah. So. That, that's that's the other thing, too, uh, going over these cases. And I think a lot, a lot of the reason people kind of, like, uh, throw doubt over uh, Paul Eve's work is because he covers so many cases that it's in, it is impossible not to read some of these or, or listen to some of these, if, as the case may be, and think, okay, well, I, I that doesn't seem as far-fetched as the one maybe we read about, we talked about last week. There are ones that stick out, like, uh, as an example, uh, a two-year-old boy went missing. Uh, his grandfather turned his back for a second, and uh, or he went out a... He, he went out on a on a trip with um with a, a few of his friends and whatnot. Uh, where the boy was last seen and where his body was found um, are insane. Do you, any of you guys ever see Survivor Man Nola Stroud, like him? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. the like guy who's not yeah, Bear yeah. Grylls. Yeah, 
Yeah, the guy who's not Bear Grylls. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's actually in that documentary, and they talk about that specific case. And where the boy was found was um, 550 feet up, uh, a, about 12-mile walk from where he was last seen, with all of his clothes intact, no blood, no evidence of an animal had carried him away, no signs of struggle, and just a shoe and his shirt and just the top half of his skull all the way at the top of a really rocky mountain Jesus. that it would take um, like experts, experts to climb up and find. Um, and the shoe itself, and this he had been found three years after he went missing. And the shoe itself, uh, which uh, looked like it had not seen any weather whatsoever, but it was sitting right on the open. Like that kind of stuff is the stuff that's like, that's really, I'm really sorry, the strange. top half of his skull? Yeah, the skull cap. That's all they found? That's all, in a tooth, one tooth. Well, can I, uh, can I ask a the question? The top half of his skull... A and tooth, tooth, a perfect, uh, a, sh uh, a, a shoe, and a one piece of his clothing, which were his, uh, which were his pants. And this was three years after he went missing. Three years after he went missing, a couple of hikers found uh, the body. Well, the the skull cap and a tooth called the cops in. They did DNA tests, uh, and it was him. It three was years is a long time for a lot of crazy shit to have happened, right? Sure, uh, definitely. But it's strange that his shoe didn't seem like it didn't. It saw anything, and there there was no evidence of a struggle or a fight. In any way. I guess strange, but let's get back to the criteria and we'll talk about a couple of cases as well. Cause again, there's a lot to cover here. We'll probably do multiple episodes on it just cause it's bizarre. So like the story storm, time. Yeah. 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 So the storms themselves kind of strange, but again, can be written off. Weather changes happen very rapidly or all over the world. It's not a big deal. Um, most of the disappearances happen uh, in the afternoon, always between two and 5 PM. That doesn't really say anything to me personally. But uh, that's another big thing. When the bodies are found, they're usually found uh, just outside of or in a swamp or a briar patch. Um, with rescuers usually confused or baffled how a child would even got to where the body was found in the first place. If a person was found alive, which is super rare, um, they are usually found in a semi-conscious state. Uh, and when asked about what happened, they have either no recollection or such a bizarre recollection or disjointed recollection that there's no... There's no trace of what actually happened to them can really be put down other than the fact that they were found alive. And found alive, they're consistently, like, it's the same type of places that they're found as when they're found dead? Uh, some of them. Are, are the, uh, yeah, some of them. Some of them are just they're wandering in a field somewhere or face down in a field, a couple of them who are just semi-translucent uh, or, or rather semi-conscious. Uh, it's, it's also important to note, too, scientifically, that if a person or human goes a long period of time, uh, without food and water, that hallucinations can happen. Uh, it's sure. very common. They could be semi-conscious in that way. These cases specifically are people found within a day or two where that kind of thing wouldn't have taken hold right away. Uh, so there's that distinct separation. It kind of explains that thing away. Yeah, L more like or less. They, of, they're not eliminates. gone long enough where hallucinations would have started to happen. Right. Um, the other, uh, one of the last bits is usually their clothing is missing. Almost always, uh, big significant pieces of their clothing are missing jackets, pants, or the person completely strips naked for no known reason. Uh, they leave their clothing, clothing far away and their bodies are found much further away from where their clothing is. And their clothing, uh, has been undone and clearly taken off, not ripped off or, uh, ripped apart by an animal, but that they actually, the person who went missing looks like they like unbuttoned their pants, zipped down their zipper, untied their shoes. All of their clothing was removed uh, visually at least looks like willingly. Um, that happens to a lot of these people. Like, uh, regardless of temperature? 
regardless of temperature. That's which is important because as we've talked about in the Dialatov Pass incident, paradoxical undressing is something that can happen. So yeah, that when you're that, super cold, yeah, you start like to that. take your clothes off because you just it, your brain is confused. Um, so the ones that happen in the winter, I kind of like chalk up to that. Uh, but it's the ones that happen like in the summer where they're just taking off their pants or they take off their hiking boots and and, and then just leave. Uh, that happens. That happens for a majority of these cases, no matter the season. Um, the other big thing is that when the body is found, a lot of the time, the body is found in an area where search and rescue people have searched thoroughly multiple times. Um, sometimes even having the body found next to a major trail that the search and rescue people had been tracking, uh, traveling through and searching every single day of their attempts to be found. And then months later, the body is found on the trail that they had been on multiple times or in a field they searched multiple times. Um which is kind of bizarre. And then the last thing that, uh, is that the people who go missing in these particular cases are usually one of three, sometimes a combination of these particular things, very young, disabled, or very old, usually nowhere in between. Um, the young kids are usually either partially deaf ha or maybe fall on the spectrum of autism a little bit. The old folks, uh, they, they like they're so old, they can't really walk them being able to one case talks about a hunter who him and his friend went out hunting and um, it was going to be one of his, his final hunts or, or he was too old to get up and actually properly hunt. So they sat him in a chair and they actually rounded up the wildlife towards his area. And when they got back, he was missing. All of his stuff had been just left on the ground, including his gun. Uh, and he was never found again. He just, no uh, tracking dogs could find him. There were no tracks of him walking into the, to the woods. It just looked like to, you know, the trained eyes of search and rescue that he was just plucked out of thin air and could never be found. So it's um, not necessarily mentally disabled. It's not necessarily. No, no, no. Disabled. When I say disabled, I mean more along the lines of like, you know, it, it's, it's uh, a physical disablement. Um, sometimes in a wheelchair, some type and can't of affliction, walk. some yes. type of like health issue. Yes. Which mental... is important because a lot of predators prey on, uh, you know, the, the the weakest or the sickest or the youngest of a pack or something like that. Yeah. That seems to fall into that particular uh, idea of a predator plucking off or picking off the smaller, weaker type of uh, of prey. Um, but right. that's that's the general gist of the of the criteria that these missing people typically fall into. So. With that said, we're going to start working and looking into a couple of cases, one that's not solved and one where I have a theory. Uh, and then after that, we'll talk about other wild theories that, that people talk about, including government and alien stuff, and then more normal theories that people can I have. Throw out, can I throw out a theory real quick? Oh, please do. Predator. That's not you. You say that you say that, but that falls into the alien theory of of some creature that that either we've never truly discovered. Are or... you telling me that that's written on this outline sheet? Predator, well, not predator specifically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which predator? But like, but like, is it? But like, most dangerous game type situation, <laughs> right? Like, like we are being hunted by something that is greater than us. Because let's be real, it's love, which predator? I love this podcast. Yeah, I mean, one predator was clearly killed by Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So come on. I'm thinking like one of the ones that's on the ship at the end that gives them the old ass gun. Oh, Predator Two. Okay. Yeah. Is the okay, Super yeah. Predator? Yeah, I, I never saw. Or, predator, yeah, there's so like, I heard it was terrible. This is vague. This this version's vague. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not a movie. Yet, yeah, no. This one anyway. So the first case we're going to talk about is about a boy by the name of Sammy Bolick. Happened in 2006. But, but uh, Sammy was born on August 10th, 1998, uh, and he and his father were traveling in October of 2006 when he was around eight years old. 
Sammy was born with a mild form of autism and was passionate but very stubborn. Because of his autism, he had a fear of loud noises and bright lights in general. Him and his father, who his name is Kenneth, by the way, were really close, often taking long road trips through Oregon and would often pass through Crater Lake. I don't know if you've ever seen Crater Lake, but holy crap, that place is uh, a beauty. Uh, Crater Lake is literally just a giant crater caused by a volcano thousands of years ago that has since filled with water, and it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, but I've people go pigs. missing. I've never actually been there. I really yeah, want to. Yeah, I would to. love to go. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Crater Lake is a heavily wooded area, and in, in October, at least, uh, it, it, it snowed around that time. September, October, it would snow pretty regularly around there. Uh, Sammy, being a rather bored kid on this particular trip, really wanted to play hide-and-seek as they pulled close to the cinder slope where Sammy had found a, a glint in the cinder that he thought to be gold. So he saw something and he was like, wanted to go check it out. And dad, you know, being a good dad, was like, yeah, let's go check it out. Uh, while he was over there, has this bright idea to play hide-and-seek. Right away, I'd be like, oh, not just me and my son, but playing hide-and-seek in the wilderness feels like a terrible idea. Um but if so you're afraid it. of bright lights and loud that's what sounds I was gonna say, like alone in the wilderness, yeah. the, the yeah. minute there was like a go, 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 kid would be gone, out, gone, gone, yeah. exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, something to keep in mind. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's just like I'm a telling crow, you, you hear that when you're over. when you're out in the wilderness, you hear noises that you don't think should exist. You run into Jesse taking a shower from one of those like portable hot bags. Yeah, but I'm like. Go, 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 go. Yeah, <laughs> just running through the crater lake mm-hmm. by himself. I get it. Jesse. I get it. Bigfoot, Bigfoot sighting right then and there. Uh, so he went out and uh to, to go to go look at the little glint in the rock and remember that the cinder slopes themselves, uh, the cinder slopes face away from the lake. Uh, this isn't going to be important in a little bit, but the cinder slopes where they were doing this thing don't face toward the lake. It faces away. Uh, Kenneth, seeing his kid just randomly bolt after he uh, saw the glinty thing um, and nearly get run over, runs after him, which Sammy probably thought was a game and continued to run for about 50 feet away from his dad. Uh, The biker, uh, which caused a bunch of noise and caused the kid to bolt, which I completely forgot to write down prior to that, uh, a biker was riding by caused a bit of a startle the kid ran the dad thought he was playing a game started chasing him uh the kid kept running and uh got about 50 feet away from the dad and the biker stopped and watched this kid bolt and his dad running after him so there was a witness there to see the kid run off it wasn't just his dad and the kid somebody saw it happen so um you know it's not just the dad's word and nobody else's as sammy crested over the hill and uh the father followed as soon as he came over the hill the kid was gone just gone and he was keep in mind he's only like 50 feet away there were no tracks away from the crest of the hill aside from kenneth's own shoes the dad said i never caught up with him and at that point uh he disappeared over the top somewhere and i lost him are we saying that he ran up the hill yep went over the hill see his you see his feet go to the top of the hill to the hill he had eyes on him as he was going up the hill then he tracks tracks up the hill that part there wasn't specified. Oh, okay. He just saw his kid and he followed him up the hill. And then when he came up and over the hill, the kid was just gone and there were no tracks. No footprints. No footprints, nothing. Crazy. Um, other than Kenneth's own shoes. The dad's own shoes were the only thing that were leaving any any tracks there. Uh, immediately, a search party was formed of some 200 or so people. And they combed an area of six square miles with search dogs and helicopters. Remember, these helicopters are using a FLIR system, forward-facing, like, infrared, so they can see, you know, body heat and stuff running around. 
The problem is that they had to delay the search pretty much right away because that night a massive snowstorm rolled in and any chance of finding Sammy alive had then just been lost. Maybe not then they accepted it, but once a snowstorm rolls in, uh, it's pretty much, you know, it's over. What are you going to do? Yeah. The snowstorm that night left two feet of snow. Nothing uh, that could be done about that. Mm. And from and from that, uh, they did not search towards towards the lake and, uh, and 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 away from the lake, which is the way he ran. They did search the cinder slopes, but they didn't search the area around the slopes specifically. They primarily focused on the steep cliffs and hills surrounding Crater Lake, which is a good idea, but their failure to search in an adequate time frame for the area further away from the cinder slopes likely doomed Sammy's body to not being found. It, and so you're saying day, it's been suggested that this is like a negligent search. It's possible that it is a negligent search. Okay. And that they the, the storm prevented them from going out, and when they searched, they only searched the cinder slopes. They never searched the area around the cinder slopes. Um, assuming that he couldn't get that far, but I mean, a kid running in panic, I don't know, you know, like for me personally, you think of a kid running in for hours before a storm hits the dude, the kid, if he survived and get knocked out and buried under rocks or something on the cinder slopes, why would you not search beyond that area? Why would you not push out further? I mean, granted they covered six square miles, which is a lot, but give a kid, you know, eight years old, who's running in panic, gets more panic. The more he gets lost, veers off course, maybe goes away from the cinder slopes. I just don't understand the thought process behind not covering the area around. I mean, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we have to get deeper into it to, like, really understand the logistics of this. But like, yeah, I yeah. mean, I very much understand why you would not. Like, from a lo- from logistical standpoint, mm-hmm. you are looking at a child who's very young, who is suffering from some form of autism that I don't think any of the investigators know or the people that are out looking. So they're already – they're either under assumptions – or they are under like there's a lot of things that I think when you're looking for a kid you're trying to think what is this kid gonna do, but you have no idea what this kid's gonna do because you don't yeah, know you don't. what is going to scare him or what's gonna cause him to do whatever, and so you're trying to keep your your uh, I don't say exploration but your search down to uh, a minimal area because at that point when you get too wide, at that point it's. It, it, exponentially increases the the chance for the amount of money needed the amount of time the amount of people the amount like eventually this is you see this all the time it's done in movies all the time where it's like i'm sorry ma'am we can't search for your husband anymore he's just lost in the woods and then yeah it just happens so i feel i feel bad but it seems like it's very understandable why they would give up. I don't know that it's I blame hard to them. Justify like to somebody who cares about the kid why yes. you ever give up searching for the kid. Right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, this this particular example, while short, and we'll we'll talk about theories here in a minute, is kind of a the textbook uh, case for these missing people. In that, um, it's a good example of how fast these people go missing. You know, the dad's chasing me, go over the hill in less than a minute. The kid is just gone. Um, and that that's all of that's. All of these cases that that we'll talk about over the many episodes we'll probably do over the course of however long we end up doing it, um, all of these people who go missing, it's just almost instantaneous. Like, they turn a corner and he's gone. They go over ill, the person's gone. Of all ages, not just kids, but adults and elderly as well. The theories as to what happened. Honestly, the most probable theory, and I think the one we covered a little bit, is that he probably died from exposure 
from the sandstorm that hit a few hours later. They weren't able to get to him in time. They had to call off the search and rescue because of bad weather. He either got buried, was unconscious under rocks or what have you, and then ended up, unfortunately, probably dying from just weather exposure uh, in a cave or, or face down somewhere. Um, it doesn't really explain why the dog... Um, it doesn't really explain everything, but it is certainly uh, not a terrible explanation. It likely is what... I mean, he's also happen. eight. So what does an eight-year-old yeah. know about exposure and having to live... Like, yeah. I just... I don't know. Yeah. For he's sure. not going to make it. Yeah, he's not going to survive a snowstorm unless it's a miracle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, furthermore, uh, there's the idea that maybe there was a, a, a wildlife encounter. Um, mountain lion, bobcat, whatever have you, that they just uh, you know saw a kid, scooped him up very quickly before he could say anything or, or scream out. Uh, and then was was gone or the kid ran away and then, you know, hit his head on a rock and then an animal scooped up his body and took the body away um, beforehand. Uh, one of the things that that wildlife tends to do is if they have their prey and then there's a lot of disturbance or there's a lot of activity in the area, whether it be other wildlife or people, they will bury their food and then come back to it later, which would explain why they couldn't find the body at, over the course of days searching because there was activity around the animal just buried you know, the body for later, uh, and then came back later and finished, uh, you know, finished the, the job or ate, or ate the, the, the corpse's remains afterward. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad explanation though. I know some people do, uh, those are probably the two most likely. What's the, uh, what's the negative there? Uh, like, is, why that, is that not believable? Well, the, because I th a lot of the people hinge that theory on the, the mountain lion caught the kid immediately after it went over the hill. A lot of the read, the reads that I have, like uh, don't... he just tackled the kid on the other side of the hillside. Yeah, like the, the the mountain lion was there, saw the kid, took an opportunity while while he could, grabbed the kid and ran off before the dad could catch over the hill and see anything. Yeah, I mean that's that's stupid, but to me, like, I don't know, like it disappearing, like out of the search area, like they're known to drag their prey, they're known to put it in a tree, they're yeah. known to do the... all these things. The other, the other reason people don't like that theory specifically is because any t a lot of the time if the national services can't pinpoint a reason, they will just point to wildlife and say wildlife did it. Mountain lion killed him. Mountain lion scooped him up or what have you. That's kind of like their, their textbook go-to. I don't have like an answer. It's just like no evidence. They're just kind of like, well, right, exactly. we do have well, killer creatures it, out here. Yeah, Exactly. We've got big cats and bears and birds that could scoop up a two-year-old or whatever. Gotcha. It's possible that that's it. As far as out there theories, uh, stuff that I don't put too much weight into, but it's important to cover these theories just because they'll be important at you know in other explanations. One, because this is an entertainment show. Yeah, interdimensional rift is a big one, and it, it is it is cited for a ton of these missing people's cases. The big reason is where the person goes missing and where the body is found later seem so weird and out of out of the ordinary um like kid corpse being you know at the top of uh you know 12 miles to the to the opposite direction of where he went missing up a giant cliff and he was only three years old and there's no signs of struggle people love to jump to the dimensional rift like he stepped into something maybe it's an, an, an a paranormal phenomenon here on earth and all of a sudden he's somewhere else i love and this now theory he doesn't realize it's it so victorian it's, <laughs> it's so like uh ambrose bierce or like uh what's that movie uh, picnic at Hanging Rock, like some like freaky ass bullshit like that. Uh, that's yeah, I, I love thinking about that. Like the national parks are like weird. And like, and okay, yeah. Well, and uh, the thing for me, uh, as somebody who wants to put a little credence into these wilder theories, just for for entertainment value and the fa the fact that maybe it's it's possible, is that there could just be science on, on you know space time whatever that we just don't understand yet. Oop, bonk my mic. Uh, 
where he accidentally stepped into a freaking weird rift, whether interdimensional or not, and then the the person just ends up somewhere that they weren't before, and now they are truly lost, and they end up just dying uh, wherever they ended up getting, quote-unquote, teleported to. I hate using the word teleport because it sounds like magic, and, I mean, I guess it kind of is because we just don't have an understanding, but it's an interesting thought and explains why a lot of the people who go missing in, in, in literal seconds just up and disappear with no sign, no shouting, no response. I know it's in a game engine. Why not physics? (laughs) Exactly. Um, If we live in a simulation, it's just a simulation glitching out. Then it's proof. We we live in a Bethesda game. Yeah. We just teleporting everywhere. It's Fallout 76 for real. Hell yeah. (laughs) And obviously the other big one, uh, weird one, is Aliens. I mean, yeah, That's all right, fun. sure. I let it linger, let it linger a little bit. Uh, the reason this is important is because there were UFO sightings later in that month in the area. On October 31st, red and green lights on an egg-shaped craft were seen hovering before disappearing into the night in that area. And over the years in Oregon, this type of craft would be seen over and over and over again by many different people, with one in the very end of 2018 fitting that description just north of Crater Lake, where the boy went missing saying it's a possibility if these aliens are if aliens are coming by and scooping people up what better place to scoop up people than people who are camping with are there, nobody around are there other thi- like what what else was uh, reported along with those ufo sightings just sightings for that specific just those sightings nothing, nothing like no abductions or anything like that no abductions in the area just uh just sightings and such um which i mean could be could mean nothing could mean everything. Maybe, hey, maybe the aliens scooped them, scooped up these people, and they fuck up the science experiments and accidentally kill them. So they gotta drop them somewhere that makes them look like it was an accident. It happens for aliens, you know, scientific accidents. So aliens, scientific accidents. Yeah, why not? All right. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Chiluminati life, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the big case that we're going to talk about today is the one of Dior Kunz Jr. So Dior Kunz, Kunz Jr. Is, is spoken about in the book that I read, uh, as well as the 411 documentary that we watched. Uh, it's very interesting because the the circumstances surrounding his disappearance and the explanations as to what is possibly going on and my own personal theory as to what I think happened are wild. So... In 2015, uh, Dior Kunz Sr., along with his wife, Jessica Kunz, had decided to take a little family vacation with their grandfather, Bob, and his friend, his grandfather's friend, Isaac, to a spot they knew really well in the Tibber Creek Falls in Idaho, near the ho- their own home of uh, Lador, which I think the name of their town. Uh, I think it's Ledor. It could be Lidor, but I call it Ledor. Uh Dean Kunz Jr. is going to obviously be the main focus of the story. He was a two-year-old boy who was partially deaf in, uh, deaf in one ear. So that fits, uh, obviously, one of the criteria of uh, usually young and disabled people being the ones that ended up disappearing. The campsite they went to was surrounded on three sides with high mountains, and where they were staying had a very small stream on one side and a thin forest on the other. Now, it's important to know that from the creek, where the creek was, where this little river is, it's super shallow. Um, they they show it in the in the uh, in the documentary. Not only that, but from where they were in that creek, you can actually see the picnic table of their campsite from the creek. So it's like right there. It is not a super far walk in whatsoever. Um, it's within eyesight of the camp. The first night of camping went off without a hitch, with Bob and Isaac sleeping in the trailer, and the Dior family, wife and kid and husband, sleeping in their car. 
But that morning, Jessica needed to head into town to get some feminine hygiene products, while uh, Dior Sr., the father, and Isaac, the friend, uh, or should I say Dior Sr., the grandfather, and Isaac, the friend, planned to fish with Dior Jr. since he loved fish so much, specifically little fish like minnows and so on. Um, and they were going to bring him fishing. Isaac had been ret- uh, had been returning from the stream where he found a bunch of minnows when Jessica had also returned from her little shopping uh, escapade a few miles out to get some products. Dior Senior, Jessica, and Isaac had started uh, to head toward the stream and asked if Dior Jr., the little two-year-old, would like to come along with them. About halfway to the stream, Dior Jr. stopped and uh, looked to his father and gave him a choice. The father said, you can come with us or you can head back to see the grandfather, Bob, because he had candy. Wait, a two-year-old? The boy had been... Yeah, the two-year-old. How far? What? They were just uh, from the campsite to the creek. Again, keep in mind, the creek is within eyeshot of the campsite. You can see the campsite from the creek that they were at. It's, it's a not like two they were year old, though. I agree on that part. I agree on that part. <coughs> so they were halfway there. The kid was kind of complaining that the father turned around and said, do you want to come with us or do you want to go back with grandpa and go get some candy? Because the grandfather had brought candy. The kid decided candy was going to be the way to go. And he went back uh, to the grandfather. The father did say, hey, can you watch? The, you, can, you got eyes on the kid? No problem. The boy did go back and uh, for, for candy with the grandfather. Um, so that that's important. More importantly, the, the grandfather, the kid did make it back to the camp. He didn't go missing during the walk back. He actually did get to get back to the camp. Uh, so he decided to go back. The father, Jessica and Isaac continued walking toward the creek and they all returned to the campsite to get their fishing gear uh, once they brought Dion, and when they found Dion Jr., Dion Kutz Jr. had gone completely missing. So they walked to the creek. Isaac showed them where he was where he was fishing. They walked back to get their fishing gear. And when they had gotten back, uh, the kid was gone. Just gone. The grandfather was still there, but the kid was gone. This is all in about 10 or so minutes. And Bob, being the grandfather, hadn't moved from his chair in that entire time. He was sitting right where he was when they walked away to go fishing, uh, to look at the fishing spot. When asked what happened to the to the kid, he just sort of shrugged and said he'd been playing by that tr- a tree no, not only 10 minutes ago with his Hot Wheels. Uh, again, the, the It's a two-year-old yeah. kid. I know. I know. Um, the, the tree, the, the, when they, it was within eyesight of the chair. It wasn't super far away. It wasn't like a mile away. But again, like you said, two-year-old boy sitting next to the tree playing with Hot Wheels. The grandfather was keeping an eye on him, I suppose. Grandpa, that's not even like a five-year-old boy. Like a two-year-old boy is that's like a baby. That, that's like a that's not a that's not a person. Also, yes. grandparents I, are notoriously terrible at keeping an eye on kids. Hands down. Is that a the thing? Worst. Is that a thing? Oh my god. Yes, because they oh yeah. Oh yeah. To- and if you look, all of them are old. All of them have bad faculties compared to when they were younger. Yeah. Their memories are worse. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I was watched a lot by my grandparents as a kid, so I guess I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But, in the house? I mean, in the house? Yeah, sure, in the house. Yeah. Never on a camping site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, out in the um, wild, there's a lot of factors here that are just, this is too much. This is too much. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's also super important to note, not that it really matters all that much, and I don't think it, it, it really holds, but... Uh, I think it plays into the idea that the, the the grandfather wasn't very good at being a babysitter. Um, during the interviews that I heard from him um, and and what I read, the grandfather didn't seem to give two shits about the. That's kid. what I'm he never saying. Used his name. He never used the kid's name. He off he often just called him the kid or that kid. When they were actually interviewing him, asking him questions about whether you know what happened to the kid, he would chuckle. He would chuckle and laugh all the time um, and say, "I don't know." 
It's just not my. He's a two-year-old. Not my. You know, I, I didn't do anything. That how kind of old? Thing. How old is this grandpa? He's dead now. He died in January. Um, but he he was I think in his eighties somewhere around there. So he's like this guy's kids one fortieth my age. He doesn't matter yet. Like he's just yeah. Like, I guess yeah. Like he he's just, just like a little super sack hard of line meat. on it. I mean I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what. I, it's like seems heartless. It does. Well, that's that's what's interesting is like listening to him interviewed. He does seem like he gives like jack squat. He he doesn't give two shits about the kid. But he's I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak to their family dynamic. Though. Yeah, of course no not. These so, people are still alive. They probably will, they might listen to this. Like I have no sure. idea. So following there uh, afterward, um, the family immediately started to search the campground. They searched for about ten or fifteen minutes before they decided to call the police. Uh, you can actually hear the nine one one call between the mother and the nine one one responder. Uh, during this time, Isaac is still by the creek and is still uh, fishing. That's important. Isaac is the friend that was brought along. He's not related to any of them. He's just the friend of the grandpa- Uncle, grandfather. Uncle Isaac, basically. He, I, not even in that. The, the parents said they didn't even know Isaac through a hole in the wall. Grandpa just really wanted to bring oh, him along. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. So, so the grandpa yeah, who doesn't very, care very all that much brought a weird, creepy friend nope. along. Yeah, this is going to work out great. Yeah, see, a little suspicious, right? Um, so he's during the whole search, the Isaac is just fishing while the family's searching for the kid. He's not uh, there. He's he's just at the creek fishing. He's there at the campsite, but he's not like helping. He's just fishing while everybody's freaking out about the kid. Interesting. Very strange. Very very strange. Interesting. Uh, since it's the middle of nowhere, Jessica jumped into the truck and drove as fast as she could into town to call the police because she didn't have a very good signal. And the dad stayed behind to try and keep searching for Isaac, who returned and uh, searching for Isaac, who eventually showed up and presumably Bob. Um, so police Isaac got did start searching eventually. Well, the the father went and got the kid. When when they went to go call nine one one, the father was like, "Isaac, come on, we need to fucking do something." I that see. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Police got there very soon after and swept the entire area. And even after a search and rescue team got out there, they couldn't find the kid, and he still remains missing to this day. In the light of all of this, the family then hired a private investigator who immediately implicates literally everyone in a conspiracy theory with little to no evidence. Uh, he, he joins Lador's community in thinking it was the parents who killed the kid, even though Isaac was right there. He actually implicates everyone at some point during his investigation, blaming pretty much everybody, saying that Jessica knows where the body is and that Senior had, uh, had been the one to actually kill Junior and that Isaac helped with the body disposal. He's, he's implicated everyone except for Bob, which is odd and ties, uh, you know, ties into one of uh, my researchers, specifically uh, his personal theories. He was also uh, fired and left the case in 2017. The parents actually let go of the private investigator, asking the DA to arrest the parents with child endangerment at the very least. The most public evidence uh, that we could find for this PI and why he wants the parent to be arrested for child endangerment. It's because it was a two-year-old and it's down, insane. Yeah, pretty much boils down to bringing the kid to a campground with water nearby and having the father be neg- uh, the, the grandfather be negligent with the, with the child, even though he, doesn't, he didn't actually pin anything on the child itself. Alex, how you doing? Um, <laughs> I that just that seems so crazy. Which uh, part? <laughs> the whole thing? That just is such an unbelievable thing to say. Like you can't, you shouldn't bring your two year old to the forest because that's how it dies. You know what I mean? That doesn't seem like a child endangerment case to me. You should be able to take your kid wherever. I mean, maybe not like inside of a poison room or something like that, but like. Yeah. I don't think I think it's reasonable to assume that somebody can take care of their kid. Well, I think the endangerment comes from the fact that it is reasonable to assume that that can happen, but these people did not do that. And that he's saying you endangered your kid. Not that the idea of taking a two year old to the wilderness is is bad, but that these people shouldn't have taken their two year old because they were negligent. 
But why didn't mm-hmm. the law enforcement do that? Because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to just say that. Right? This That's that's okay. why this guy's trying, but it, it clearly isn't happening. But he's like, hey, they were negligent. They What they did was wrong is what he's trying to say. Well, I, yeah. think, I think I have a theory. I guess in... That way of thinking, I, I I maybe agree with him, but I I'm I'm thinking in my head what I think happens, but I want to hear what uh, the researchers sure. thought first. We'll, we'll go we'll go through some theories here in a second. Um, yeah. The other important thing to know is that search and rescue and all that showed up very very quickly within that day, and they were uh, insanely detailed with their search. Uh, they were on their hands and knees in the creek nearby, prying every rock. They had chainsaws cutting down all the trees that were in their way. They absolutely went ham on that area, uh, the creek where he they, he may have drowned or fallen. Um, the little slopes nearby, the the little th- the, the thin line of trees that led into a forest off on the other side. They went. They covered everything and could find nothing. And the boy still rem- remains missing to this day. No clothing, no evidence of tracks, no scent. Absolutely nothing could be found of where this boy just kind of vanished into thin air, um, completely gone. But there's a bunch of theories as to what actually ended up happening uh, to the kid. Um, a lot of them, however, really focus around the family itself. And I think a lot of it focuses around the family itself because people like answers. Um, and this very much reminds me of uh, who is that woman in the 90s who ended up killing her kid but lied about it? Casey Anthony. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me a lot of Casey, Casey Anthony uh, where the family seems to be helping the, the, the police force often, um, but it eventually leads to nothing. The first theory obviously is the most obvious, I think, is that the kid walked off to the woods and ended up drowning, um, fell in the creek and, and, and ended up drowning. And if, if there was a natural explanation as to what ended up happening, this is likely the most reasonable. Um, if you're, if you're looking at non dirty play from family and, or Isaac, the friend, the sense, the creek was literally right there within walking distance of, I said, as the camp, um, it wouldn't have taken much for a two-year-old to trip, fall, smack his head and get drift, uh, carried off by a creek off into, uh, into the wilderness to never, to, for his body to not be found. Um, or, you know, not get that far and then animals find him and have their way. Maya, could you, thank you. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry. My cat is. You had to do some cat discipline. Yeah, yeah, cat discipline. Good luck. Yeah, you're a bad cat. That's all I have to do. Um, but again, the reason that I don't put too much weight into this particular explanation is the the search and rescue team went ham on the on that creek, all over. Like they went up and down it. They couldn't find it. The other theory, uh, as far as the uh, law enforcement put forth, the parents murdered the kid. Now, um, from for my one of my from the researcher, he doesn't put too much weight into this. I personally. After having done even more digging, this is the theory I fall behind the most, and I'll talk about why. Um, they t- the kids don't. The, they say um, a lot of the people who who kind of dismiss this theory, they say that the parents didn't have a motive. Uh, they didn't get any hint of malice from the father and mother. Uh, they were in a bit. Uh, they were in a ton of debt, and they were nowhere close to being rich. But they couldn't. They but but they still went on a camping vacation. This would be the opportune time to get rid of something that might be causing them a lot of debt, aka the child. Uh, moreover, um, the mother was actually already a mother of two from a previous marriage, and she lost the custody battle for those kids. Uh, when she had her third kid, this one, the junior boy, she had her tubes tied, and it had been noted that uh, she never wanted kids in the first place. Uh, her family specifically saying that she had never wanted kids Interesting. before. So there is an established motive. There, I, there is an established motive, absolutely. In my, in my opinion, there's absolutely a motive. Again, this is all circumstantial. In, in my personal opinion, this is no. I'm not out here trying to say this is definitely what happened. It's just what I think has happened. Um, on top of that, uh, 
the, their, their stories changed over the course of years, uh, over 19 times, 19 times. The parents' stories have changed, even though they've worked with, with the FBI and all this other stuff. Um, Change, Their stories never changed, stay the same. Like the sequence of events changed, or changed sequence like- of events, things that have happened. One of one of the things that the changes they they went to the gas station and they got their gas. You know, when she went to go get feminine hygiene products, she also got the gas filled. And then that particular story, sometimes she got her gas filled, sometimes she never got her gas filled, sometimes she got her gas filled, but somebody filled it for her. It's it's consistently changing. It doesn't. It ne- her stories never fully line up. Um, on top of that, one of the private investigators hired by extended family who felt a little suspicious about it, um, interviewed her many, many times and, uh, claims that during those interviews, uh, and this is all still in court, keep in mind, which is why we don't have any definitive answers that she had broken down into tears and claimed that, uh, she knew where the body was, but every time she got to that point, she never finished her story. She said she knew where the body was? Supposedly, yes. Again, we don't have the transcripts of that. This is all still under investigation. This is just coming from one of the investigators who interviewed her many times. Um, that she she broke down into tears and claimed that the, the, that, the, uh, the state that she knew where the PI. body was. A PI. A PI, which is also important to note. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the parents eventually divorced and the parents began to blame one another for, uh, the kid going missing the, the mother specifically blaming the father saying the father's the one that killed him. Um, it's, it's tough. Again, it's kind of in a chaotic place, uh, at this moment. Um, but uh, the other big part uh, of that is that they all, they've taken many, 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 um, polygraph tests and they can't even pass the simplest of questions beyond what their names are. Everything else is, is a definitive failure. No, even the simplest stuff that have nothing to do with, with the crimes, they fail. Which they doesn't fail necessarily prove anything prove about the anything. facts. Correct, correct. But does definitely make you suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Then there are the theories that Bob or a combination of Bob and Isaac killed the kid. That Isaac uh, and Bob, while the parents were off fishing and whatnot, that Bob took the the kid away and either drowned him in the creek and buried the body or took him away and killed him and disposed of the body very quickly, Um, which is strange. Uh, Some people really put some weight into this one. I don't know if I necessarily do, Um, but in, in in all of Isaac's interviews, which is the friend, he's very strange. One of the interviews that's caught on camera, uh, the the news guy goes up to the camera to, the, to his house multiple times every single day, and eventually he opens the door, and uh, he tries to answer some of the questions, but they're always like non-answers. They're a lot of like just leading you to a circular logic that never really truly leads anywhere. Um, he talks about uh, the likelihood of of a um, of them being uh, the parents being the killer or the grandfather being the killer, and he always denies it. The reason I personally don't put too much weight in in the grandfather being the killer or Isaac being the killer is because so much pressure by the the police and, and the FBI were put onto Isaac. Um, I don't. I feel like he might have cracked at that point. I feel like since he wasn't related to the family in any way, he wasn't friends with them. Why would he not just throw them under the bus? Why wouldn't he just admit that that the grandfather killed him or that they're you know trying to pass it off? But he's held steady the entire time, saying that it wasn't him and it wasn't the grandfather. He had nothing to do with it. Um, so what convinces our research, uh, team that, that Bob is the guy? Um, well, I think for him, uh, he says that he had the motive and the means he was old for sure, but the kid would have followed him towards the Creek bend where the campground was at. Bob also until the very end was, was sane. He wasn't crazy and could probably have thrown Dior into the Creek or whatnot. 
Um, in all of Isaac interviews, he seems, you know, he does seem like he kind of knows something or he's at least being suspicious in the way he answers. He can't seem to tell people about what happened or he's very vague. Like I said, he has that very circular logic thing going on where he doesn't really answer the question. Um, he doesn't think that Isaac's the one that killed the kid because he was with the parents back and forth showing him the fishing hole and stuff. But they were down at the creek for enough time for Bob to have killed the kid and put the, the body in the creek. So maybe a conspiracy to keep the parents at the fishing hole long enough for the, the grandfather to kill the kid. We don't really know the nature of the friendship between Isaac and Bob either. That's never really made clear. Um, the, my research is a theory that maybe Bob would kind of like was a kind heart reaching out to Isaac in a, in a tough time. Uh, but we don't really know for sure. And beyond that one trip, it doesn't seem like the parents and Isaac have ever kept in touch. Um, Bob did, uh, did actually do an interview, but his, he was never on camera during the interview. It was just vocal recordings and he just laughed and never seemed to take the whole case seriously. And then he died sometime in January. Okay. Well, before we get into crazy town, let me level the theory that, you know, like we're talking about who did the murder. Was it the parents or Bob? I think, you know. It's possible this technically was a murder, but I think, like, also, like, you know, if it's true, the things that we're saying, if we're saying, like, you know, these parents have financial issues and they're not, they don't really have their Mm -hmm. lives together. And again, this kid is like two years old. And we were talking about this earlier that, like, maybe because it's an old person and a two year old died, that maybe they have no relationship with them as a person. Maybe it's like talking about, like, a dead dog or something like that, where it's a little bit less uh, personal, you know. Mm. It's possible then also that maybe there was a wrongful death, an accidental death of the kid uh, somehow, uh, yeah. be it negligent or, you know, abuse or something like that. And then, you know, you get like sort of like a like a pact formed and, you know, maybe disposing of the body because they don't want to get in trouble for maybe losing their kid, especially if they lost the custody battle for their other kid. Like this probably isn't going to reflect well on them. And then. Yeah. You know, maybe they just do the work to cover up the accident or the murder without it being a situation where there needs to be a motive other than that they maybe destroyed the body or hid the body. What also leads me to believe that that's possibly what happened, too, is initially the the I can't judge anybody. Everybody grieves differently. Right. Uh, so I can't pass judgment on that on that. But the parents avoided media. Almost entirely. They, they had one interview in the first three months of the boy being missing and then avoided media entirely. Um, moreover, the private investigator that they hired, that the par- parents hired initially, uh, was urging them to just go on TV to get the, the, get the name of the kid out there everywhere across as, as far as they could uh, to put the kids on everybody's mind. And they, he out, they outright refused to the point where uh, they actually ended up firing their, private inve- their first private investigator because he was pushing them to try and get on TV and they didn't want to do it. Then, while watching, and you can go watch this, the 401 documentary, one of um, the, 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 the mother's really good friends is being interviewed, and they get word that it's happening. And uh, she gets a call in the middle of the interview and is getting texted by the mother, asking her, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then the father shows up mid-interview. She has to get up, go to the garage. You can hear him having a conversation just off camera. And that the, the, like, the, the, the mother of the kid doesn't want them to be doing this interview and yet, uh, like, to the point where she's texting, calling mid-interview, and the father comes over to be like, hey, what's going on? Why is this happening? Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll convince my my wife it's fine that we're doing this. You know how she gets. She gets very stressed, that kind of thing. Very, very weird activity 
uh, once the parents get word that they're doing like a documentary interview, that one of her friends is doing a documentary interview. It's very See, that, strange. That to me makes it seem like, you know, maybe they didn't like conspire to off their kid. But once the you know once the damage was done, you know maybe they yeah. chose to be like you know this actually makes our life easier. Yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's definitely definitely bizarre. She threw away all of his toys afterward. Afterward, uh, after the whole thing too, she kept like no memorabilia of her child. Very much feels like she cleaned her hands of of having a kid after all was said. Yeah, if your That's child's bizarre. taken from you, the logical mm-hmm. thing that people do is they like. You see this often, it, and you can just watch countless movies also to get examples of this. They'll like seal off that room, and it'll be like the child was still there, or it was, yeah. or they will like, it's like a shrine. yeah, they like time, like time stamp it, like it's perpetually the child is a three year old forever, yes, like that kind yep. of thing. To clean it away, to wipe it away, is completely the wrong reaction. Uh, given all the other examples of this happening in the past. Like, it's definitely very yeah. suspicious. If I was a cop, I'd be like, mm-mm, something's up. And then little things, too. Like, during that during that thing where they're showing her, like, looking at her, at her son's clothing and stuff, she couldn't even fully remember, like, her, her son's shoe size. She's like, oh, he was like a five or a six, maybe a six and a half. Like, I don't know. Little things like that. I feel like, personally, I would remember, like, crystal clear. But... That's beside the point. My personal my personal theory is like if I was put weight into any realistic theory, uh, I definitely would put more weight into into the parents are probably likely the ones. Sure. Do it. So, yeah, we're going to go into some theories uh, and I can't believe we've already been going for over an hour. So what I'm going to do, because I have page of this shit, what we're going to do, we're going to go over some general theories of what people believe happened here. And then next episode, next, we'll uh, next time we record. Two. Yeah. I think we're going to do a part two right after this because after these th- theories, I have the ones that are weirder and the the more bizarre stuff. Yeah. But I wanted to cover like some general. Yeah. Maybe instead kind of, of doing the introduction away. to what missing 411 is next time, we'll talk more about. We'll just go right into the, yeah, into, yeah, the yeah. into the weird shit. Okay. So um, during all of this, there's a lot of obviously uh, research into what's going on by, by uh, David Polides, the author and stuff. Um, and in other cases that that weren't thoroughly researched um, by by my researcher and ones that I didn't really look into, along with both Sammy and the Dior Kunz Jr. Jr. Uh, cases, all of these disappearances, every single one of them, happen near or around military bases. Every one of them, it, it, it's w- without fail, within miles. All the ones that we're going to look at, every one. Um, Crater Lake is literally 50 miles away from the U.S. Air Force place, along with a uh, supposed but nowhere near confirmed underground secret base for the CIA, FBI. If you want to get into conspiracy theories about that. How, Lador, how supposed is this? <laughs> nowhere, nowhere near confirmed is like about as... Like, not Area 51. No, not, not Area 51 kind of confirmed in that unconfirmed but highly suspected, okay. I guess. Okay, okay. Uh, Lador for uh, Dior's Kunz Jr., which is the town that they came from, is just down the road from a Navy command center, um, which is weird because it's inland. I don't know how the Navy works, but a Navy command center in the middle of Oregon seems a little strange. Or Idaho. Uh, Idaho, yeah. Oregon is like a coastal state. I meant meant Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in Idaho. And is nearby a U.S. National Guards armory. Inside Timber Creek's Falls and within eight miles of where the family was staying is a, uh, a supposed, supposed secret military base at Green River Falls. Again, no confirmation. We can't really. It's just people believe that that's possibly like there. Like conspiracy theorists or like reporters? Well, you got to keep in mind, conspiracy theorists, but Area 51 was also conspiracy theorists until it was revealed. Right. 
But I mean, like so, at at, at Area Fifty One, you can like drive up and s- now you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, but for this specific thing, no, there's no road that leads there or anything word, that you word, can word, drive word, up word. to. Um, Dior is actually not the only one that disappeared near Timber Creeks either. Um, but the 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 names and images that we found were unreadable. Like the the clippings of the newspapers were just old and, and blurry, and we didn't find anything real great. Um, but he's not the only one that went missing in that area. A few of the ones that uh, that we saw inside of Wisconsin um, were incredibly close to a few different military bases. One of them lived a few miles away from Fort McCoy and went to La Crosse on uh, on the Mississippi Ri- Mississippi River. Somehow got into the river and was found several miles downstream fighting the current. Luckily, he lived, but he has no memory of how he got in there and was proven to be sober when they found him. So he just like got washed away in the river. Yeah, and he has no memory of how he got in the river and he was fighting upstream. Whoa. Uh, and he was sober when they did the when they when they found him and tested him. Um, if you look at the cluster maps, that's the map I showed you a little earlier. Which again, look look up cluster maps for missing four one on Google Images, guys, and you, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you look at the cluster maps of all these supposedly uh, connected disappearances, you can find that they all connect through major highways and around military bases that we know of. Uh, two things to disprove uh, that that this though, the, these clusters seem to be centered around cities of areas of high population density, which uh, of course is kind of makes sense for lots of people to go missing in areas that are near cities because there's just a higher percentage of people there. Um, There is one notable exception and that's Las Vegas. Las Vegas and most of Nevada are totally blank on this heat map. There is no disappearances around there. Um, my, My researcher specifically said he couldn't get his head wrapped around why there wouldn't be anyone going missing there and that that fit the criteria of what we're talking about. Hell, both uh, Dulce and Area 51 are nearby and it's in Las Vegas. And yet Las Vegas seems to be immune to these particular types of disappearances. I wonder if it's just the nature of the environment, like because it's like really discouraging desert. I bet you there's not a lot of like family vacations out yep. to, you know, fucking hot ass places. You, you wouldn't bring yeah. a kid out there. Yeah, uh, I guess that's yeah, that's that's that makes sense. Um, the clusters in the maps also line now we're going to get into some deep conspiracy stuff here. And we've talked a little bit about it before. So be ready. Uh, this cluster map also lines no. up nearly perfectly with one of the many maps of the supposed deep underground military bases map. Like in Arizona, the three names are all within a few miles of a supposed secret military base. Now we talked about this. I think we talked about during one of the alien episodes, the idea that there are military bases underground all throughout the United States connected by tram systems that, that uh, you know, operatives of the CIA and the FBI or whoever is operating uh, MS-13 or whatever go back and forth to. And all of where we believe MS-13? that secret... <laughs> oh, wait, that's, a, what? that's not what I'm talking about. Damn, they are <laughs> not, sophisticated. Not the... <laughs> <laughs> they are using tunnel systems to get into our country. Uh, <laughs> I meant the Majestic sure, 12. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. Majestic 12. Um but the the these disappearances are happening in areas where we believe these secret military bases that we that are on these conspiracy you know these conspiracy buffs uh, place all are happening within the same areas. So if this is what's happening, if the military is plucking people uh, for their own reasons or what have you, and then you know doing what they do, and then you know disposing of the corpse or whatnot later on, uh, what's the reason? Why are they being taken? What does the government see in these in these people to take them away? Maybe it's a weird eugenics program uh, is one of the theories. Um, Like we said earlier, this is 
mostly disabled kids and elderly folk. Uh, so maybe it's a process of them secretly weeding at, weeding them, weeding, weeding out them these, out while they're closed. Listen, we're talking conspiracies. All right. Okay. Weeding out the, the weak folk and experimenting on them. Yeah. Go, Taking them yeah, out, no. picking them off in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. 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 Turning them gay uh, with the frog chemicals. <laughs> um, but they also could just be doing tests on them as well. Maybe they're not weeding them out because they're weaker and the government wants to rid their country of them. But maybe they're just taking these kids away and experimenting on them because they're what uh, some call uh, some some people call the lesser dead, which is the idea of um, people being killed, whether it be via serial killers or even, you know, government or whatnot, of people who wouldn't necessarily be cared about as much as like, uh, you know, a, a, a successful 30 year old white male would uh, that kind of thing. Um, so maybe the government is scooping them up and doing medical tests on them. Uh, and then the government has, has been known to do tests before on people that come out. We've talked about, uh, the government tests that people were doing before. Um, what's the name of that project that we, we discussed? Which one? <sighs> Fuck. Uh, it's, it's out in the open now. Um, what was that? The men who stare at goats. Oh, MK ultra. MK Ultra, that's it. Yeah. I mean, MK Ultra is a thing that actually happened, and for a while, people didn't believe it was a thing. But no, it was an actual thing. The government was taking people and putting them through tests and and drugging them and doing all kinds of things. Trying to, to see them. if they have psychic powers. Yeah, yeah it was or, like or the fifties and sixties. Uh, right, what does but that some mean? of these. But no, but that who but, wasn't but on LSD? Jesse? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, well, people have been going missing in the 50s and 60s, you know, for, for these right. uh, missing 401 things. I mean, it's a possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not likely, but it's certainly not impossible. Then, of course, we get to the aliens theories. Uh, the idea that, that we're either being hunted or abducted. It could make sense, especially since a lot of the cases that we found are from 1990 and onward, where aliens got mainstreamed and they couldn't be... Uh, you know, blase about it like the government was prior to that. Um, these two missing persons cases specifically happen around that time. If we want to talk about aliens in general, the greys are the ones that typically abduct people who are star-seeded or to star-seed someone, meaning they're working on hybrids or these children already hybrid children that the aliens are just taking back. Maybe they abducted these people, um, forced them, you know, kind of star-seeded them with a child, and once the child was of a certain age, they came and scooped the kid up and took the kid for their own. So it was a long con to get the kid out into the wilderness to then steal the kid. Just maybe had to got, wait for know, him to decide to go on vacation, baby, and then it's <laughs> well, maybe bing, bang, bang, Well, maybe these people are regularly camping folk, and they they got abducted while they were camping and got star seeded. Then two years down the line, they go camping with the kid that there was that was star seeded into the baby, and they come back, take what they believe is the they they claim is theirs, and they move on. Bring the loud crow recording to play. Yeah, scare the kid, yeah. you know, make him run up a hill, yeah. abduct him really quickly. Use the robotic quickly. panther to take him down. <laughs> robotic mountain lion. Yeah. Oh, right, right? My bad. My we're, not bad. In, we're not in panther territory, we're in mountain my lion bad. territory. I shouldn't assume. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so they come back and they see how their generations of hybrids are doing. Are they integrating into humanity well? Are they, uh, are they maybe these are like default, defunct? Star-seeded children, so they scoop them up to experiment. Defunct space kids, come on now. <laughs> defunct. <laughs> what? I'm like, just saying. Yeah, no, we don't want those. Those are the defunct Have space kids. Have you seen 2001: A Space Odyssey? That is I a perfect space baby. Get out of town. 
Yeah, I'm just saying that's a baby in space. That's all I'm saying. That's a star child. Yeah, yeah. same word, star. Defunct right. yeah. space exactly. kids. Defunct space children. There also has been talked, and I know I've talked about this a lot, uh, that of the U.S. Gray Treaty of 1954 could be... <laughs> get the, get Don't out. laugh! I've got to Google this shit maybe? now. How, how, do they nail the, it, how do they nail it down to a specific year? Well, that's when the treaty took place. That's when the Greys... So, 1954, right after Roswell and... They Amy met at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you guys not seen the, Men in Black? In the Grey Room? In the Grey Room? Listen, the, 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 the U.S. Grey Treaty, U.S. Alien Treaty of 1954, could have been altered in some way, and it could have added a clause that the U.S. government must take these people so that the aliens have plausible de- deniability. Like a board game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea is that... Uh, you know, they, it's, so the aliens are doing their thing. They're abducting, and but they need to make sure that they are not just, you know, it's a whole misinformation campaign. So in the treaty, for whatever the treaty says, the aliens have to abduct, but now the U.S. now has to abduct some of their own so that the scent is thrown off the alien trail. So the government's like, let's go for some disabled kids in the woods. Yeah, man, absolutely. It would explain why the few that have been recovered have no memory and often seeming to be shielded from the elements, meaning they haven't, you know, it doesn't look like they're weather-worn or their clothes have been ripped apart because they were scooped up by some being, whether it be alien or otherwise. I'm just picturing that scene where Data goes haywire in uh, the Star Trek movie with the Fountain of Youth where, like, there's, they're studying, the, <laughs> there's, like, a secret base that looks like a mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, that's not necessarily... Uh, you know, I, I like that that image. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, but there's the other clause. Well, maybe instead of throwing them off their scent, maybe the the clause was that uh, the Greys, you know, traded their ability under the new treaty. They they probably gave up their ability to just take anyone for being able to keep the, the victims like, that they we'll caught. Give you who we want you to get rid of. Well, initially the treaty said you could scoop people up x number of people a year, but they have to be returned after, and they can't be killed. What if that treaty had been altered in some way, but the alteration, whether it be because they can only take old people or young kids or people with disabilities or what have you, but in exchange for only being able to take those kinds of people, they get to keep what they catch instead of uh, catch and release like you do with fish. <laughs> yeah, if this was if this was all real, that makes some fucked up kind of sense. I just all right, you time gotta- out. Time out. <laughs> Time no, out. No, 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 no. Oh, God. Here Time, we go. All right, so I looked up this treaty with the Greys. Um, and let's, I mean, that's, let's save that for another day. What I learned from this entire thing is that Americans are not the first people to make contact with the Greys, y'all. What, Absolutely What I not. learned is the Greys made formal contact for the first time with the world government in 1933 in Germany. However, they were turned away by the German government because the German government had already committed itself to involvement with the Giza intelligence. These, of course, being human extraterrestrials who were headquartered in Giza in Egypt. So there you go. Uh, They They couldn't. Yeah, the Greys then had to go talk to America because Germany would not take them. And and then then that's the reason we kept winning wars, because we had the better aliens. Keep in mind. Just keep in mind. These are extraterrestrials who traveled from another world 
came here and Germany was like, Nein, get out of here, extraterrestrials. And then, and then they, they were like, all right, fine, bye, and left. And that's when they ran into Zephram Cochran. <laughs> I, it, none of the, oh, it, it. I just want, like, why can't they make the extraterrestrial stuff at least make sense, right? At least make sense. If, but what if, Jesse? It but what does. if? No, what it if, doesn't. They, they went to the, you're telling me aliens went to the Germans and were like, hey, we want to be friends. The Germans were like, no, we don't want to be friends. And the aliens were like, okay, we'll wait 10 years and then go talk to the Americans? None of that makes sense. You never know. Well, but you, what? But what if? What if it could have been that they're like, oh, you know, that's. But we've already got an alliance with these extraterrestrials and the Greys, and those extraterrestrials don't get along. But there's also the treaty in space, and they can't act, enact war on a primitive planet. That's the stupidest thing I've ever it's heard. It it's makes sense not in Star possible. Wars. It's not possible, Mathis. You can't cover up your laughter. You know it's dumb. <laughs> you know that's dumb as hell. You know that's so <laughs> stupid. You know this is incredibly dumb. Stop. No, I believe it. No, you it. don't. You can't. Look, you can believe in aliens, but you can't believe that they would travel here, get turned down by some dudes, and then be like, well, because of the treaty that just is convenient that we can't attack you, we won't attack you. Because we... It's just... But because it's if they break the treaty, politics. they're breaking... Yeah. Because yeah, if they... Exactly. Exo, exoplanetary politics. This is treaties that, that are going to be upheld in, in galactic court, I guess, quote unquote. You know, that's that's my term, not their term. <laughs> um, but the idea that they are... They, they are... They are... They are... Uh, they, if they've got a treaty, they can't cross that very treaty because it's going to incur their... them, honestly. It's very diplomatic. Exactly. I don't... Exactly. Whatever. Okay. It's... <laughs> the conven you can't ever win in these because the convenience of like, well, you don't get it. There's a space treaty, and you don't have to be a part of it, man. Like, you can't argue with that. You just can't. You just can't. It goes it goes too deep for one person to comprehend, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I hate you it, so it, much. You know, what, what better what better excuse than just to to put the truth out there? But it sounds so insane that you'd never. Believe I it. don't believe it. You're absolutely right. I don't. Exactly. I can't. Whatever. I'm just going to let you keep going. I, I'm interrupting the topic <laughs> with my rage No, this, on is, stupidity. this is literally the topic. Because so we're talking about more, the theories. Yeah. This is the theories. Like, so that, that's, a, that's a theory, obviously. Now, if you ask me, an alien man, an alien buff, I don't necessarily believe that the idea is a clause <laughs> was added to their man. treaty. Star yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you I'm ask a star me child. a star Why child. <laughs> I am a star-seated child. My mom was abducted face. when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the point being, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't necessarily fully dismiss the fact that if there is an agreement between whatever extraterrestrials and planet Earth, uh, that they're allowed to abduct X number of people per year, that they would they would actually target uh, older, younger, or disabled folk because those are the like we call the lesser dead. Those are the folks. That the lesser be, you call them, um, the lesser dead. No, that's an actual term that is used. The lesser By who? dead, because they're not legally, because they're not officially found dead. They're just like nobody. The lesser dead. They, it it goes up. back to it's used in serial killer. It's used in serial killer um, uh, cases a lot, where a serial killer, uh, for instance, in the '80s or the '90s, targets um, uh, young female black prostitutes, and since they're female and black and prostitutes, the law enforcement puts way less energy and way less resources in trying to figure out who killed them because who gives a shit. That's the idea. That's what lesser dead means. Oh my the government God. doesn't necessarily care all that much. That's that's. I believe fact. that. that I know happened. someone said that yeah. in the past. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and and th so that's the idea that these might fall into that category for the government. Um, it also give the Greys a ton of people to, to experiment on. 
the other thing is if you go back to the heat map, five people have gone missing around Dulce, New Mexico. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but Dulce, Dulce, New Mexico, Dulce. which needs Dulce, uh, which needs to be its own episode, which I agree. Uh, but it's supposedly the area that they moved all the Area 51 shit to uh, once they opened up Area 51 and like announced that it was public. So all the alien shit that was at Area 51, they moved somewhere else. And that... I know it sounds insane and I know it sounds stupid, but when we cover Area 51 um, after, you know, however long, there is actually evidence that shit was moved from Area 51 to somewhere in New Mexico, uh, but we just don't know where it is. It's somewhere over there. Like, it's a base over there that has whatever was in Area 51 and originally it is now there. It always comes back to the fucking aliens. Well, Area 51 is the whole time where the aliens made it their self, you know, they became a, a present in our consciousness, right? Where we started to have sightings and, and whatnot. It was yeah. after the Roswell crash and all that stuff. Either the biggest joke in American history or literally one of the biggest watershed moments in, like, human-alien yeah. relations. That area as well, to go back to the treaty and stuff, is also supposedly, uh, potentially, where the embassy of all 12 alien races that are working with humanity on Earth to this day are and there's an area there set aside for grace to do their tests on humans to do with obviously the permission of the government the so same setups as in the flying saucers yeah so like you get abducted and you get brought there to get experimented on i feel it i'm just saying i'm just saying um so uh where does that leave us with with where we're going to go in the future with missing 411 well we don't really know what's going on here though there are these two cases i like to think that we have a good idea but what we do know is that the u.s government refuses to make a list of missing people, which is a fact, which is weird because all other agencies have a list that you can look up who is missing and who has died on their land, except park service. Like what, uh, like what other agencies? Uh, well, just other areas where people go missing. So we're specifically talking about national parks and stuff and the, the park services in the national area, but cities and towns and all this other stuff. There's, you can get lists and information right. on these okay. people going missing. I understand. But in these areas, they don't have a list uh, if they if they have a file on the person, it's random whether you're going to be able to get it or not. And the details that they have of that particular missing person is uh, either no detail at all, even when there's done a ton of research or a ton of detail. And it seems like a lot of care was put into it. There's no uh, there's no consistency is the word I'm looking for in in the records that the National Park Service. It's just a bunch keep. of mess. You have to do it yeah. yourself, basically. Yep. Mm. And at the at the end of the of the documentary, um, when when all is said and done, uh, the people who made the documentary requested a list of all missing peoples from the parks, and they were told that no such list exists, and to make one would cost about one point four million dollars, uh, which reads what? like, yeah, which reads like a slap in the fucking face. Because why wouldn't you just invest that money to get a list of missing wouldn't people? Wouldn't it just take like an intern, like? A month yep. to do it. They also denied every single request for an interview, every single request for any of the files that they could get their hands on about the cases from the missing 411 stuff. It's insane. It's insane. And the last bit is the little bit about David Polides is the reason he even started doing this is because he was approached by somebody in the National Park Services. Uh, he had an interview with them he, he, uh, that he reached out to. And this particular national park, for which he, he he leaves his name out and all this stuff for anonymity's sake, whether so that obviously only leaves us with uh, the word of David that, that this actually happened, but approached him and said, there's these missing people's cases happening in our parks that are not being investigated. The government doesn't seem to give a shit about. And anytime I try to ask about that or put any resources into, they shut me down. Um and and he's he knew David Pauleeds because of his his history, his previous work about the Bigfoot stuff, obviously. Uh, and David went ham on it. And once he started seeing the different cases, um, he actually got approached by 
people within the government saying you shouldn't be doing this like stop stop researching these people let it go it's you're never going to find an answer and you're never going to get the information you're looking for we're not going to give it to you <sighs> I don't know if it's like a not my jurisdiction type of thing or if it's yep. like a weird it's, it's hard to know yeah. um but I think I, I have to stop myself here. I've got like another six pages, but we're going to, we'll, we'll do that next well, time. There's we'll plenty, do part yeah, two. We can always do another one. We, there's always, there's plenty of people missing that we can get into their stories. We'll, we'll call this the intro and the realistic cases. And then the next one is going to be the stuff that I'm hoping fingers crossed is going to make Jesse not necessarily lose uh-huh. his shit, but the goal is to make Jesse walk away. Unconvinced. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Convinced. That I'm ready for something to blow here. my mind. I genuinely, I genuinely did not think we were going to go be going for an hour and a half <laughs> on just these two cases and the intro. I thought we'd be done in like 45 minutes, but it went way longer than I was expecting. But we will, in part two, specifically talk about the cases that I've handpicked that are bizarre and, in my opinion, just impossible to put an explanation hmm. to. I can't wait. Okay. I'm so, so fucking okay for this. But in the meantime, if you, the listener, want to go uh, do some research... There's the the uh, the documentary you can watch on, on Amazon Prime for like four bucks if you want to rent it. There's a ton of books out there. There's a ton a ton of of just um, public Reddit stuff and forums of people just dissecting this stuff, ripping apart you know David for if he's even reliable or not, ripping apart the cases. There's just so much stuff to consume out there about missing four one one that you it's even if you don't fully believe that something bizarre is happening out there, it's still fascinating to read uh, how the government seems to be poorly handling these missing people's cases and at the very least poorly recording uh, who who's missing, how long they've been missing and, and just figuring like steps that they should be taking that they clearly are not. And also I had an idea uh, about that type of like, like further research just in general, not just for this uh, case, but for all our episodes, if somebody wants to like do further research, it might be good to go to the Chiluminati subreddit and Absolutely. do like a, do like a post watch thread for each episode. That'd be awesome. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, whenever, whenever a new episode goes up, like maybe somebody in there, if you feel like you want to do that, you know, obviously not everybody can be on our official research team, but <coughs> if you guys yeah. want to go deep and, and look, you know, that's a great place to start for like minded people who maybe want to collaborate. Yeah, absolutely. There's some, some good stuff there. A lot of the information I even got uh, for um, <coughs> more research into the Dior uh, kid specifically came from just a lot of people putting their heads together, uh, digging for articles and uh, all kinds of stuff that I wouldn't have, you wouldn't have found easily without the group of people doing a ton of research for it. So uh, there's a lot of resources out there, especially for this particular topic. It's fascinating. It had me hooked for, for two weeks and I, I'm, I'm eager to talk about the weirder stuff that's happening out there. So uh, it seems, it seems, it seems like a good mind. That's not, I've not heard most of this stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I guess we'll wrap up here. Um, we will be back uh, sooner rather than later with the next episode of Chiluminati, Missing 411 Part 2. Uh, we talk about specifically just some cases. Thank you, gentlemen, Alex and Jesse, for joining Hell me yeah. as always. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. Uh, sorry if I, I rambled a lot there, but it was just a lot to get You're through. the host. Um, it's okay. That's what you're supposed to do. I guess, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but if you guys want to chat with us specifically, like Alex said, the subreddit is the best place to go. Um, there's been a bunch of new posts up there. There's been some interesting posts. Somebody posted about their 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 uh, they died on like the emergency room table and what they saw after Whoa. that. And 
what Whoa. they remember after they came back. There's some, yeah. there's some cool stuff up there, man. Go check it out. The community's freaking great. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to us on whatever app you uh, store or whatever you listen to us, rate us. Please rate us. It helps us a huge amount. Yeah. We are still just on the door of cracking 700 five-star reviews for iTunes. Please push us over that yeah. edge. It's, it's, it matters a lot to Apple for whatever mm. reason. Uh, and obviously our Twitter is at ChiluminatiPod. Tweeted us all your fun stories. Did you guys see the uh, the little ghost video that somebody yes. showed us? I, I gave you I gave it to the DM. The cat? Isn't that cool? Yeah, the cat. Yeah. Neat. Very convincing. It looks, stuff. I love it when people send me like little things. It looks like kind of fake, but at the same time it doesn't. I don't know. It's like too, it's too convincing for my brain to be like, oh, that's not Is fake, that supposed to be a CCTV? Uh, he has a motion detection camera at his house. Yeah, I could see. So it was gone. It caught. It caught that. I'm noise. very interested to see whether that camera records to a tape or to digital. Mm, that would be interesting. I would very like, yeah, much yeah, like yeah. to know because it, here's the thing: if it records to a tape, there is a chance that it's a uh, echo of a, a, of, a mm. of a recent of a recent recording when the cat was that makes was, sense. was alive. Because uh, I, I was watching. There's a very famous video. Uh, of a ghost at Disneyland that goes from camera to camera if you watch on security. And the way that they explain this in a debunking sense is that, like, the tape is there and it records the static image of the room or the angle hard-coded in because you never yeah. move the camera. But, you know, you'll see, like, relics of, you know, at Disneyland, like, park guests walking through, and if they have something particularly shiny on or they stand out particularly strongly from the bath from the background uh <clears throat> you know that can create ghost looking footage that's that actually makes a lot of sense kind of like a screen burn yeah exactly like a screen burn but like yeah, on the tape there you go yeah that's cool yeah that definitely that, that would definitely explain it but uh it certainly was a cool piece of uh piece of footage that people sent our yeah way. i we love getting it. footage uh i Me less too. like getting paragraphs upon paragraphs of unintelligible nonsense but i if you want to send me that do it i don't mind send that too <laughs> uh yeah please uh and if you got haunted dolls please send them our oh, way God. as well we're still waiting for the one to haunt us hasn't happened yet did you but, take uh, the tape off his mouth hell no absolutely not i don't even care i don't even care that that story is so fake i i won't i won't do it i'm not ta- are you insane i cherish my life i don't want to do hey, it guys go to the yeti.com slash chiluminati to uh come get some good gear from us t-shirts and hats and stuff like that please please do we got some dope stuff up there and if you want to tweet at us specifically i'm at mathis games on twitter alex is at at Fasian AA, and jesse is at the at just jesse cox that's me enough uh, and we will zoom that's him and uh that's it that's it for us thank you for guys for listening we will see you next time bye peace goodbye what first the bad news sap business ai won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in southeast asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. 
Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash to book. Restrictions may apply.